here today. And uh, we've been in a series called I Love My Church. I love my church. And uh, we kind of adopt this idea that we want to be people that love this place. And what we've done is we've created this idea that, or the kind of thing that God birthed inside. It's not really an idea. It's more of a thing that God's birthed inside a Dionysia. We want our church. We want, we want to be people who love all people at all times and all places. And, and when we look at that, it seems pretty simple at, at, at face value, but then it gets more complex as you look further and further and further into it. And we came alongside that. We made some supporting values to kind of hold that phrase up, to kind of hold that, kind of hold up that thing that we want to be. And, 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 and we've kind of put those as our core values as our church. But one of the things that we've told you guys the last few weeks, this is our last week of it, so if you missed it, you're okay because I'm going to catch you up right now. And so one of the things that we've said about our core values is that they kind of support, you know, our, our, what, we, what we, our vision is to love all people, all places, and all times. And, and what we said is this. This isn't just for Hope Church. This is really for just us as Christians, for us as people. And even if you're not a Christian, these are good values. Like even if you're not a Christian here today, you're like, hey, I'm just coming, checking this thing out, and I believe this, or I believe this. We're just glad you're here. These are all good things that kind of help you live your life. And we believe this when we live lives that are on track or on mission or on vision that God has for us individually, when we come together as a church, we'll be all be on the same page. And so we've kind of given some of these supporting uh, phrases to kind of support our, our, our statement. So we believe this. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people. We want to take the good news that Jesus loves all people. He, sent, he loved them so much that he sent his son down the cross for us. We want to take that into all the world. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people, to share with those people that, hey, man, there's a God who loves you. We also, may, we, we also believe this. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it fun to go to church. We believe church ought to be fun. Some of you guys today during that first song, you're like, that's way too much moving for one song. I think I saw the pastor moving his hips. It's okay. Jesus is okay if we have fun. I think he wants us to have fun. We believe that church ought to be fun. We are encouragers. We want to encourage the heck out of people. We are generous. We want to be a generous people. We believe Jesus modeled generosity on the cross for us. So we want to model generosity. We do work here. We do a lot of work. We work super, super, super hard. Last week, last night was the first time that I had been a setup. First or second time I haven't been a setup in, in the history of our church in this, this year and a half. And we had a great team come in here and set all this up so that we could, have, we could have church. And they did a phenomenal job. And we do work here. We, we also, we empower people to use their God-given talent. You're talented at something. I saw someone post this week that you're... Uh, I like getting texts, by the way. I like getting texts during the middle of the message. It's always random and it's weird. But that's why people, they've taken my phone from me. And that's why I got an iPhone. So I'm be like, what did you say? <laughs> Reply. Um, no, they, I, I like it in text, but I, I, last week I told you guys, or a few weeks ago, I told you, you're a 10 at something. Everyone's a 10 at something. You're good at something. I don't know what yours is, but I know what mine is, but everyone's a, a 10 at something. And you just got to fly in your lane. And you got to be the best you can be. You got to use whatever talent that God's given you. You got to use that for the best of your ability. I got to use my talent. You got to use your talent. This, speaking of talents, this week I, um, I, I went skiing this week. And uh, let me unpack that for you for just a moment. Um, it's not my God-given talent. And um, I went to go skiing. Matt's like, get out here. You're going to go skiing. And I'm like, all right, can't wait. So I got out there. I haven't told Matt this yet. This is the first time. I've only said this to a few people. When I got there, I'm expecting, um, I, I see there, they got me, they got me set up. And, and uh, they got they, everything I know, I just got to show up with board shorts. I'm like, I, I got that. Check. Like, I'm a skier. I got shorts, you know. And so I went there to go skiing, and I'm expecting, this is what I was expecting, man. I was expecting to see two sets of skis set up, a left and a right. That's what I was expecting to get there. When I got there, Matt's like, we got you all set up. I'm like, great, I'm looking for two skis. All I see is one ski on the deck there. And I'm like, man, I, I think he confused me with a different guy. 
I'm like, how many dark skinned, good looking, shaved head guys does he know? Like, maybe he got me confused. Some of you guys are like, oh, this guy's gassing himself. But I was like, man, I, I think he's got to be confused with somebody else he knows. And I get there and he's like, it's just one ski. A lot, there's a lot of bald head guys in our church. I don't know if it's trending because of the pastor, but there's a lot of bald head guys. You guys look good. All you bald head people, you look good. You guys with hair, you look great too. But I said, um, I said, there's only one ski. He goes, you're going to do great. I'm like, this guy's number four. We are encouraged. I'm like, I love this guy. <laughs> He's crushing our core values already. He's like, you're going you're gonna to ski. And I'm like, oh, man. And he said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your foot in this, this one and strap it in. And you're going to get in the water and you're going to slide your back left foot in there. And then he took me out to the deck and he said, hey, I'm just going to, the boat's just going to pull you up just like that. And whenever you're a professional, you always explain other things to people like it's no big deal. Educators, all you got to do this, 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 and this. My, my mother-in-law, mother-in-love, um, she is a piano instructor. And I hear her tell Hope, Hope, just put your hands like this. And that wouldn't work for me. But Matt's like, all you got to do is this. And I'm like, okay, that's, if that's all you have to do, why wouldn't everybody be doing it? <laughs> so I get out there, and I got up on this ski and went around the lake. And really, when you go out there, it's me, me, me Matt, and, 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 the, and the boat driver. And when you're a guy, you know, like, failure wasn't an option. I'm like, I, I made a commitment that day. I'm like, I'm going to hold on for dear life. The hardest part about the whole deal was I had to get in water that was really, really cold. And I'm like, I'm going to hold for dear life. So I, first time up, I got up, and I'm like, I got this. And if you're, if you're smart, you know, usually the first time you nail something like that and you crush it, you just call it quits. That's what I do. At 34, that's where I'm at. 16, 17, I'm like, let's do it again. Now that I'm 34, I'm like, one and done. Totally cool with it. So I got up there, and I, I fell down, and I, I, he said, hey, let go of the rope. Stop there. And I went to get up a second time. It didn't go as well as getting up the first time. Um, but one of the things I did is when you, when you wakeboard, you hang on to the boat. You never let go of the rope until it pulls you out of the water. And, he, and I was hanging on, and I hear the boat go, and he goes to pull me up. Well, I wasn't going up, and I, was, and I was praying. I was, like, speaking in tongues and everything. I'm like, come on, God, if you're there, like, give me up. Like, I was doing all I had. Like, I, I don't want to be embarrassed. You know, I was trying everything I got, you know. I was praying to everybody. I'm like, and I was just going, he lets go, and he goes, hey, bro. And I go, what's up, man? He goes, when you feel your body going lower in the water and you're drowning, like the water's like you're swallowing water, like that's a good time to let go of the rope. And I'm like, speak for yourself. I've got a lot of pride riding this thing, you know, and I'm all, all I'm worried about is my Instagram account, you know. And so he's like, you can let go. And I'm like, all right, man. But I realize I've watched, uh, I've watched Whitney ski. I watch on all her social media channels. And I've been out there. I watched her ski live. And I've seen her. But I realize as much as I watch someone ski, <laughs> it doesn't make me a better skier. It's not my God-given ability. It's just not, it's not my talent. It's not my, it's not my wheelhouse. Um, and when I got in the water, I think one of the last things I said to Matt, I was like, I just, look, where's my microphone and Bible? That's all I, just give me those two things and I'll, that's what I can do. But you've got to use your God-given talent. Last week we talked about the fact that we believe in abundance, not just enough. The Bible says that God's come to give us a life and to give us an abundant life. He's come to give us an abundant life. And today I want to, finish up our, our talk. And next week, you don't want to miss, um, next week, our pastor from Detroit will be here. And, um, and one of his uh, teammates there, uh, Timon and Jarrell, will be here next week. And it's going to be a great service. We're going to have a good time. And I hope you'll make plans to be there, be here next week with us as well. And then we're going to go into our Easter series called No Other Name. I'm really, really excited about that as well. Our last one today um, is probably um, one, of the, one of the most important ones. And it's this, Jesus, not Jesus, we aim to please God, and that's it. We aim to please God, 
And that's it. If you've, taken a, if you've ever taken a survey of your life, have you ever noticed that trying to please everyone is a dead-end road? Like, it's impossible to please everybody, right? Like, that's impossible, right? Like, they're like, man, that's, I don't want to do that. That's in, that doesn't make any sense. I've tried that before. I, my, my biggest thing in life is I want people to like me. So I've tried to please people my whole entire life. That's been my thing. Like, if they, people like me, that's, that makes me feel good about myself, and I feel good. But I realize this, the older I get, I, I remember in our launch team meeting, um, I, on our launch team, when we started this church a year and a half ago, De- Debbie's here today, and Debbie said, hey, Wes, I need to prepare you for something. And I'm like, yes, Debbie, what is it? And uh, she's, like a, she's like a mom to me, a young mom, but she's, she's my mom. And, and she says to me, just, I want to prepare you for something. I said, what is it? She goes, everyone's not going to like you at the church. <laughs> I'm like, you watch your mouth. I'm your pastor in nine months, in three days, in two, you know, two hours. Like, you, and she's like, everyone's not going to like you. You can't make everybody happy. And I'm 33 years old, and I'm processing that as an adult. And I'm like, man, I've, I've learned that everyone's not going to like me. And I'm not going to like everybody. I'm going to love everybody. But I realize this. It's hard to please everybody. It's just, it's just that hard. We tell people who, who come into our, our next steps environment and they say, I want to be a part of the team. I want you to, when they come here, I say, hey, we, we, we can't please you all the time. Because if we're pleasing you, there's no way that we're all going to agree at the same exact time at the same thing. But here's what we can all agree on. We can all aim to please God. Because he's perfect and he's the creator of the universe. But we can't please some of you guys in your day. If it was your chance to pick the songs, you wouldn't have picked any of those songs up there today. You'd be like, I'm listening. this is my favorite jam right now. I, I, I like this. You would pick a different song. Sometimes that song that they open up, um, Your Love Never Fails, there's multiple different arrangements. You may say, well, that's a little bit too much for me. That's not my, that's not my thing. Some of you guys, you're, you, if it was up to some of you guys here today, you would, you would just say, like, we don't need to sing at all. <laughs> you're like, that's just not my, because it's not your thing. But you've come here and you realize it's not, some of you guys realize it's, it's not my thing. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to sing. That's just not, it's not what I do. That's not how I roll. But if we try to please the person that loves all the worship... And the person who didn't like to sing, well, then we, we, we can't please everybody. And I realize this. It's hard sometimes to, to please yourself. Like, even I feel like sometimes pleasing yourself is a dead-end road. Because what happens after you chase down that road and you go down, this, down that road is you realize, man, I'm not, how come I'm not as happy and as pleased as I was? We get to the end. We chase these things. And we get to the end of the road. We realize, oh, it's just a thing. It's not really going to fill me up forever. It's a temporary relief to the permanent pain that I have. And so we go to another thing. We chase down that. I'm going to please myself in this area. I'm going to please myself in this area. And if I could just have this, and I can just have this. And so we begin to please ourselves. We begin to please people. And we realize that is, it's impossible to do either one of those things. But I want to suggest to you today, and I want to submit to you today, that, it, that we can please God. And it should be the very thing that we should try to do the most of. You're like, Wes, that sounds like you're about to, you're about to give us a tall... You're about to give us a long list of things to please God. The Old Testament used 600 plus laws. Wes, are you about to unpack 600 plus laws to us and how we can please God? No. I can barely count to 600, much less give you 600 laws to follow. Well, Wes, are you going to give us, are you going to tell us that we're supposed to give us this long list of things that we're going to try to accomplish? And, and no, because I think sometimes the list, we can get, we, sometimes we get married to the list and we forget about the person that we're trying to follow after. And that's what's so hard. That's, what's, that's what I think sometimes has is, is been complicated about church and complicated about Christianity over all these years is that we've kind of attached so many things to it that it almost is like, man, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. 
I've said it to you guys for a while, but it's, I feel like today in, in 2017, it's easier to get into a nightclub than it is to get into church. And it shouldn't be that way. Well, Wes, I don't have the right kind of this. Or I don't have the right kind of thing. And, and this should be the place where everyone can come. Just the way that they are. I posted that this week, and one of my friends, she's here today, and she's like, so I, I, I posted, we ought to come just the way we are. And she posted, does that mean I should quit arguing with my, with my fifth grade son about what he should wear to church? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. As long as he's covered in clothes 90% of the way, then you're winning. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're in good shape, you know? We can't please everybody, but we can please God. Um, I, I was reading through the Bible, and, um, and we've been talking about Elijah the last two weeks. And if, let me catch you up on it. Elijah lived his life for God. That was his goal. When I, he was a prophet. He went around teaching people about Jesus. That's what he did. And by the way, you don't have to be a prophet to go around telling people about Jesus. The same thing that Elijah did, God wants you and I to do. That's not, it's not new for, it's not, that's not anything extra for them that, it, that they got more than we got. And we're all humans. Elijah was a human. You're a human. Elijah told me about Jesus and we're called to tell Jesus. That was his full-time gig. He just went around telling people about Jesus Christ. Well, Elijah was getting older in his life and God knew that Elijah needed someone to take his place. I was telling Diana the other day, I said, you know, I just, I said, I love, I love, I love this church. I said, but when I'm 60, I just want to be here and sit on the front row and make fun of the guy up there wearing skinny jeans. That's what I want to do when I'm 60. She's like, she's like, what are you going to do? I said, I just, want to, I said, I just want to preach sometimes and make fun of the next generation coming up. That's what I want to do. I want to be like, you whippersnappers. That's what I want to do when I'm 60. Like some of you guys are doing them here right now. Like, that's what I want to do. And she's like, man. And you're like, Wes, that's a long time. Are you going to be here that long? I mean, I'm praying to God I'm here forever. I, I love this city. I love, I love these people. I love you guys. I love this culture. I just want to tell everyone about Winter Garden, about Jesus. And I just want to, I just want to do that until it's done. And I don't think it's going to be done because 200 plus people move in every single month. So we've got a lot of work to do. But I just want to tell everyone we know about Jesus. That's what, that's what I want to do. I want to tell everyone I know about Jesus. And that's what Elijah did. Elijah was getting older in his life and he went to Elisha and said, Elisha, it's your turn. He says, cool, I'll do it. So Elijah takes, Elisha takes on this mantle and says, I'm going to go and do what I saw you go and do. So he traveled around and watched them and followed them and walked with them and talked with them and, and learned how to do what Elijah did. So Elijah goes to Elisha. Elisha, I'm leaving now. It's time for me to go. He says, um, anything I can do for you? He goes, I, I would like a double portion. I would love a double, I would love to do, I would love a double portion of the spirit. I want as much God on me as possible. And he says, Fine. And we go on to read that Elijah does 14 miracles. Elisha does 28 miracles, double. He got a double portion. So one day they're talking, and Elijah's like, hey, this is it, I'm leaving. And a chariot of fire comes down from heaven, swoops in, picks up Elijah. Elijah goes to heaven. Doesn't die, no funeral, just gets in a chariot and goes straight up. That's the way to go out, right? Like, that's sick. Like, I didn't die, I just went straight to heaven. Like, we're going to get to heaven, we're going to see Elijah. I'm like, Elijah, what was that like? He's like, I don't know, I, I, didn't, I didn't go to a funeral. But I watched yours, you know, like... That's Elijah's. Like, I just went straight up. Like, they just picked me up in a, in a whip, and I just, I was gone. It was just, I went out in style. Like, there was, like, it was I mean, it was just, it was, it, was, it was amazing. It was incredible. Elijah's like, dang, bro, he's just gone. Well, I was studying that passage of Scripture, and I realized Elijah goes up without dying. There's a second guy in the Bible that does the same exact thing, and I'm like, well, i got to figure out who this guy is. I got to dig into this story a little bit more. I got to go a little bit further because I want to know if these two guys did it, then there must we. I've got to figure out how they got to heaven without dying because I don't want to die. I just want to go straight to heaven too. 
That's type A personality, right? Like if they did it, I can do it and I can do it better. That's us, right? Like, so he digs in. He's like, okay, I want to. Um, so I go to the Bible and I start looking, looking, looking for this guy. And I, I find this guy. He found him. Like, man, Wes, you're a Bible scholar. <laughs> I'm not. You can find him too. And I found him in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. I found him. Like I found this guy that doesn't, that doesn't die. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, um, the verse will be on the screen, but the Bible says Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It was by faith that Enoch was taken to heaven without dying. Found him. So now I'm thinking what you're thinking. How in the world does he go to heaven without dying? The Bible says this. Then he dis- Bible says he disappeared because God took him. Like, you've ever lost your kid before? Like, that's, that's weird, right? Like, it's weird to, it's weird to lose your kid, but... It'd be weird if I was walking one day and I was here and, and I, I lost my mom or dad. That's weird to lose my mom or dad. Like, how'd you lose them? I don't know. They disappeared. Did you go to, did, what happened? Did they die? No, I don't know. They just literally disappeared. Like, I, I can't explain it. They disappeared. Did you, funeral? I don't know. They disappeared. That's this moment. He's just gone. So I'm reading this and I'm like, well, this is, this is weird, creepy church stuff again. That's why people don't go to church because of weird stuff like this. He just disappeared, right? Like all the logical people are like, this stuff, that's why I don't believe the Bible because I, I, it's, not, it's not logical. You're right. You're onto something. And um, God took him up. Before he was taken, before he, Bible says, for before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. That's what he was known for. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm I'm going too fast. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Faith Hall of Fame. All the guys in the scripture that live lives of great faith. The kind of guys you're like, man, I want to follow those guys because they had, I want want to have the faith like those guys. The Abrahams, the Noahs, the Jacobs, the Isaacs, the guys that went before us. They're the reason why the gospel stayed around for all these years and it got to the next guy and it got to the next guy. These guys, there's a whole book called the the Hall of Fame. They get a whole chapter. These are the major players of the Bible. The guys that were just all about faith, all about Jesus, just going hard for Jesus. That's these guys. And the Bible says the one thing that's known is that this guy pleased God. So I kept reading. Verse 6 says this, and it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So that wasn't good enough for me because there's a lot of guys that live their life by faith. But it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, this guy Enoch, he went, it says two things in this passage of scripture. In one verse, that he went to heaven without dying, number one. And number two, it says this, that he, what people said about him at his funeral, or the funeral that didn't happen but would have happened, everyone says this about Enoch. We don't know where he went, but we know he pleased God. That's what we know about him. So I'm like, that's not enough, God. Like, you can't write the Bible, God, and give us two things about this guy. If he's in the Bible, he's in the Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. You've got to give us more than just he, was a, he, was a, he, he pleased God, and that's what people said about him, and he went to, went to heaven without dying. Like, you would need more. So I dig a little bit deeper, okay? You're like, I'm so proud. I've been waiting for you to go deeper, Wes, for a long time. <laughs> I was wondering when you was going to kick in. Genesis chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. I'll turn there for you. Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says this. It's a long passage of scripture. Um, Genesis chapter 5, you can go and read it later. If you read it, you'll miss a lot of it. You're like, this, this means nothing to me. As a matter of fact, let me read it to you because I, I want you to see it. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. In case you're wondering if you're new to this deal. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one when you walk out today. Just stop by the info desk, we'll give you one. But Genesis chapter 5, 
let me just kind of just kind of skate through this. This is written the account of the descendants of of Adam. Okay, this is the genealogy of Adam. When God created human human beings, He made them to be like Himself. God made you to be like Him. He created them male and female, and He blessed them and called them human. Verse three. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of the son who was just like him in his very image. He named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. Clearly, they were on the paleo diet. When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. Then Enosh was 90 years old. He became the father of Kenan. Um, after the birth of Kenan, Enosh lived another 815 years. Bottom line is these guys lived a long time. And I'm reading through that. I'm like, man, this is, this is a long story. And I'm just reading these guys lived a long time. They lived a long time. They lived a long time. They lived a long time. Then I got to this Enoch guy. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. The Bible says this. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 in years, and he had other sons and daughters. Verse 23, Enoch lived 365 years, which that's not a big deal because one dude lived 900 plus years, but they tell you how long he lived for, and then the Bible says this, verse 24, walking in close fellowship with God, then one day he disappeared because God took him. You're like, man, that's a lame obituary. Like, he lived to please God. He was 365 years old. And he went to heaven without dying. That's all we got. Like, and he got put in the Hebrews hall. He's in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the guys with great faith. Like, we only know three things about him. Wes, how can we be a better follower of Jesus if all they give is three things? I'm like, am I, I'm laying there sitting, I'm thinking, God, how can I get to heaven like Elijah and Enoch without dying? You didn't give us enough. And type A personalities, I want five points. And I want, to, I want to be able to accomplish those five things in a seminar, and I want to go at it. Like, just point me in the right direction, and I'm going to go knock these five things out, and then I'm going to go to heaven, and I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to watch your funerals like Elijah watched our funerals. You know, he's going to watch our funerals. I just want, how do I get there? I want to go there. And it just perplexed me. So I started asking myself the question, why did God take him without him dying? That's what I want to know. Like, how do you, how did he do that? And, and I think maybe it has something, maybe it's connected something with the fact that he pleased God. And just maybe, I don't know, but maybe if you live life in such a way that when you please God, then God just takes you to heaven. Could that be possible? You're like, you're the preacher. You tell us. I don't know. But I begin to think that. I'm like, maybe when you live a life in such a way that you please God, God says, hey, Bible says in the New Testament, the God used the words this, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come on in for the place I prepared for you. Maybe that's the kicker. Maybe it's you live life in such a way that when you please God, he says, hey, let's go. Maybe you die and he takes you. Maybe he lives. But maybe that's, maybe that's it. And so I, I kept on digging a little bit deeper on this idea of pleasing God. And if you're in here today, you're like, man, Wes, just tell me how to please God. That's what I want. I want I'm going to tell you how to please God. That's the, whole, that's the whole point of the message. 
Um, and that has nothing to do with Hope Church. That has everything to do with you as a follower of Jesus. Wes, how do I please God? And in your natural instinct, because you've been here long enough, you would simply start saying this. Well, here's how you please God. You tithe. Wes, that's simple. You tithe. And Wes, not only do you tithe, Wes, you serve. Wes, that's, you, you serve. You use your, your God-given abilities and talents, and you start serving. And Wes, and then you start loving people and, and serving people, and that's how you... And that's how, you, that's how you please God, Wes. That's pretty simple. But I would like to suggest to you today, if that's your line of thought, and you're thinking, man, that's it, Wes. If I give and I serve and I'm, and I'm in community groups, and those are all things that we believe in. We want you to give here. We believe in that God modeled generosity. He wants us to live out that way. We believe in it. That's simple. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. God says he, he believes in, we believe in our church, we believe in reaping and sowing. We believe that. That's, that's simple. Man, serving, you know why we want you to serve here at our church? We don't want you to serve because we need your help. But here's what we know. When you're serving, you're becoming more like Jesus. So we want to create opportunities for people to serve. That way you can be more like Jesus. We want you to be more like Jesus. That's, at the end of the day, we want to love people, and we want those people to be like Jesus. That's what you want. That's it. Like, man, this church is simple. I love it. Like, that's our, that's our whole, that's, our, that's the extreme of it. Well, I would suggest to you, if you give today, the Bible says that. That's obedience. Like, Wes, I gave 10%. Wes, I gave whatever you gave. That's just obedience. The Bible tells you to do that. That's not like it's, Wes, I'm living my life, and in a, in a, in a, I have these great people around me. Well, that's good. You're in community because the Bible tells you that you're actually spo- you actually are better in community. That's obedience. Like, if you say, Wes, I'm in groups, I'm in great Christian fellowship, that's obedience. That isn't mind-blowing. Wes, I'm serving on the dream team. That's awesome. The Bible says God sent us here to, that God came to, God sent his son to come and serve. And we're supposed to be like that. So if you're serving, that's awesome. That's obedience. You're like, all right, Wes, what, then if that's, if those things aren't in the West, then how in the world, Wes, what is it? I've told all my neighbors about Jesus. That's awesome. That's obedience too. Like, man, okay, Wes, is it on obedience or is it on pleasing God? Those are all obedience. So, Weston, how do you please God? If those things are obedience, those are things that we're supposed to do. Those are things that they should, those are things we should just wake up and go out and do those things. Weston, how, and even those things are hard. Man, then pleasing God must be really hard, Wes. Pleasing God must be, pleasing God must be like, man, that's why there's only two guys, that's only one guy ever did it. The Bible said he pleased God. That must be, that must be for Enoch. There's never going to be anybody else on this earth that's ever going to please God. Except for Enoch. So, Wes, why would I even try to please God? Because, you, number one, you haven't told us what it is. And number two, it seems like it's completely impossible. Because obedience is hard. Well, so I read the Bible verse a little bit closer. And it spells out how to be, how to please God. You're like, Wes, you, it doesn't say that. I didn't read it. <clears throat> the Bible says that he pleased, Enoch pleased God. That's what he did. He just, he pleased him. Okay? He did all those things that I told you. He was obedient. All those things. But I I would suggest to you today, Jeremiah, you can come up. I would suggest to you today that what Enoch did is what we all can do. And here's the number one thing that will please God. Like, yes, he simplified it. The Bible says in verse 24 that Enoch walked in close fellowship with God. You want to know what will please God? Is if you just get close to him and walk with him. You're like, Wes, I've sat through 20 minutes for you to tell me all God wants me to do is walk with him 
and talk with them and spend time with them? Well, that's what Enoch did. And that pleased God. I can't tell you about all the other guys in the Bible. I can't tell you about all the other guys in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. But I know this. The Bible says that Enoch pleased God. And then it says not only did he please God, but how he pleased God. Was that he walked in fellowship with God. He was, he was almost one with Jesus. And what, what I want to say to you today is what I've said since day one. All those things that we talked about, the going, the doing, the serving, all those things. <clears throat> those are all results of someone who's walking with God. We, we've said it since day one. We're not going to beg people to go and to do and to go and to do and to go and to do. Now, there's some people we're going to ask multiple times because they're so stinking talented that we have to help them know that they're talented and we need to let them know that they're really talented and we want to go with them. We want to roll with them. We need them to know that. Maybe some people we're going to ask multiple times, but we're never going to be at the place where in our life and in this church where we're going to beg people to get on board and to be a part of the team. Because here's what we know. I'm pretty persuasive. And some of you guys are pretty persuasive. You can get, I can get any of you guys to do anything once or twice. But if you're doing it because I've begged you, then I've manipulated you. And I don't want to manipulate anybody. I don't want to be manipulated. manipulated. I, don't want to, I, hate, I hate, I don't even like manipulators. I don't want to manipulate, manipulate you. And I don't want you to do that to me. So I, I wouldn't do that. But you know what happens after that? Is that person that feels like they're pulled in or coerced in. They end up not liking that person. That's a side point. Number one. Two, the main thing is this, is that it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Getting you to do something and begging you and pulling you along and getting you on board and doing that, that, that won't last forever. I can get you, you'll do it once, that's no problem, but it's, I'm in this for the long haul. The Bible says that, that life and this journey is, is a, it's a marathon. It's a long, I, I'm in this, I want to bring you closer to Jesus. I don't want to get you to do more stuff for the church. That's a byproduct of being close to Jesus. I want you to be close. I want you to be in close fellowship with Jesus. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. I don't want anything more than that from, from you. Because I want you to walk with God like Enoch did. And that pleases God. I've told you guys this. Um, you're getting married soon. There's a... Um, I'll say it a lot more to you now that we're friends and we talk more. You listen and I talk, but I'm just kidding. <clears throat> there's a thing, and, and Joe and Shannon will tell you this, there's a, there's a thing called the five love languages. You, how many of you guys have ever heard of them? If you've been here, yeah, yeah. I preach that stuff. That's, it'll preach. And there's five. There's, yeah, there's, there's a handful of them, okay? Um, to be exact, five. <laughs> there's physical touch. There's words of affirmation. There's quality time. There's gifts, and there's acts of service. And you guys all know what mine is. It's no secret I like gifts. My first one is gifts. My second one is gifts. It's simple. My wife's, my wife's is quality time. So I get this whole, and by the way, marriage won't make you happy. It'll make you holy. The hardest thing you'll ever do in life and the most rewarding thing you'll ever do in life is get married. It's easy to be single. If you're single, like, oh, if I get married, it's gonna make me so much better. Don't. It will make you like Jesus, okay? It will make you like Jesus because you throw yourself into a, into a home with someone that you're nothing like. Don't think you're gonna marry someone like you because God knows you couldn't be married to yourself. <laughs> like, that'd be... I. 
I don't know how Diana's married to me, except for that she's, God's trying to shape her and make her more like Jesus. I'm sharing all that with you with this. There's five love languages. When I, the first five years of marriage, I, I like gifts. So I would always bring Diana gifts. I, one time I, I bought her an iPad mini. I would love an iPad mini. She's like, oh, awesome. You know, I'm like, I'm like, do you, so you don't want it? I can have it, you know? <laughs> you know, I'd buy her, I'd buy her, I'd buy her a, pedic, a, a pedicure thing. Okay, I would, I would buy her gifts. I'd go, I'd, I'd go buy her clothes. I'd, I'd, go, I'd spend money. I just want to give her stuff, give her stuff, give her stuff. And it took me a long time. I'm a slow learner, but you know what my wife likes? She likes quality time. You know why she doesn't like a pedicure a, a gift card? She doesn't like that either. You know why she doesn't like that? Because she has to be away from me and the kids for an, an hour and a half. And she just likes proximity. She likes closeness with us. She loves that. The other day she goes, man, I just, we're working our butts off. This community group season is exhausting for us. We're in four groups. We got 10 groups going. We're, we're, we're crushing. I, we, we'll, we'll be here for the next Next week and after that, we go on spring break, and we, I can't wait for spring. I'm tired. There's points in my life, I don't want you to think this is like, I'm, su- I'm not any kind of supernatural superhero. I get tired of preaching, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm ready for, I've, it's been so long, I'm ready for a break. You're like, man, this guy's so transparent. Next week, I'm taking a break, Jarrell will be here. I'm just, I get tired of it. I love, this, I, I love to study. I like to, I like to see people move from point A to point B. I love all those things, but it's just after a while, and plus, I get sick of hearing myself talk. So I'm thinking, man, they probably get sick of hearing me talk. <laughs> so Jarrell's coming in, and he's going to speak to us. He's doing an incredible job. My wife loves, she was saying to me today, she goes, I just, I just, I need to go to the beach. I'm like, and I'm always like, you, yeah, you need to go. Because I'm always like, you, you go, I'll stay here in purgatory with the kids. <laughs> I'll stay here in purgatory with the kids. Like, I mean, I'll stay here and watch the kids. I'm like, go. Because I would like that. I, I like, I was telling them that on Fridays, I, I'm by myself on Fridays, most Fridays. Because I'm with people all the time. And on Fridays, I just try to be by myself. It's my mental break for the weekend. Because on Saturday, I go into another work day and, and set up and all those things. And Sunday and group Monday night. Group tonight with high school students at my house. Tomorrow night, there'll be a group Monday night. Tuesday night, is my, this is my off week. Wednesday, I'll, I'll go to a church meeting. Thursday morning, I'll wake up and go to a men's Bible study. Thursday night, my wife will even go teach a ladies' Bible study, and we're just going. And it's a season. You can do anything for a season. I couldn't do church like this for the next 30 years, but I can do a six-week community group season. I, I can do that. Three months, I can do that. I'm always like, yeah, go away, go away. She hates going away. I could be like, oh, babe, I got you a, a ticket to Hawaii by yourself. She wouldn't go. Some of you guys are like, man, she is missing out. I would love to, because she, it, it's not you, it's her. She loves proximity. She loves closeness. Can I tell you this? I'm telling you that for this reason. God wants to be so close with you. He doesn't like being apart from you. He actually wants to be around you. Like he does. Yeah, he, he loves you. He loves you. I get sick of saying it. I preached to 50 kids at FCA on, on Friday 11 o'clock, 11.30, 12 o'clock at, 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 um, at West Orange High School. And all I'm telling them is that God loves them. He wants to be close with you. 
And if I could preach anything, if I could preach the same message all the time for the next, for the longest years, if I could just come every week and convince you, hey, God loves you, he wants to be close with you, then that would be the message that I would preach. That's all I want, that's all I want to get across almost every single day, that God wants to be close with you. And some of you guys in here today, God wants you to please him and, and you want to please him, but you automatically start thinking, okay, here's what I'm going to go and do. I'm going to go do something great for God. And we pick up a bag and we're like, I'm going to go do something great for God. And it's not bad. But you can get so asphyxiated on the bag of what you're going to go and do that you miss out on what God wants to, God wants to just be close with you. You're bringing God iPads and you're bringing all these things and God's like, I just want to be close with you. And that's some of you guys in here. I'm just going to go and serve. I'm going to go and serve. I'm going to go and serve. And that's not bad. Some of you guys, this isn't about your doing. Some of you guys, this just represents your past. Like, Wes, I want to be so close to God, but I got a past. Hey, if that's you in here today, congratulations. Everyone that's following Jesus has a past. But you know what's even better? We've got a future. We've got a future with Jesus. You have a future with God. But if you're walking around with bags, and I got a bunch of bags lined up back here, and it's, it'd be silly to walk around with all these bags when you can just walk with Jesus. I, I Listen, I... I'm the closest to Jesus, I feel like, when I'm serving him. I love that. I'm not that Christian that, sends, that spends every single night. Man, I read, I read 25 chapters today. I read half the Bible today. <laughs> I like to be serving with people. and I feel like I'm the closest to Jesus when I'm serving with people. If I, were, if I were in here, if this was my church, if I was in Hope Church, I would serve four Sundays in a row. That's what I would do because I like serving. I like to help. That's... That's in my wheelhouse. I like to serve. I can't do a whole lot. So I just like to serve. I'd be in the lobby. I'd be serving. I'd, I would just be doing things. I'd get so antsy. The Bible talks about, there's two ladies in the Bible. One's a Mary and one's a Martha. I'm, I'm, I'm more like Martha. I just want to go and do and go and do and go and do and go and do. And go do. I just want to live that cycle over and over again. And all Jesus wants from me is to be close. The Bible says it's actually possible to please God through faith. Through faith, it's actually impossible. The good news is this. It's possible for you to please God. It's possible to please God with faith. He wants you to please him. It's possible for you to please him. But the ball's in your court. Do you want to please God with your life? And I don't want you to be confused in here today. We, there's so much theology, so much Bible teaching out there that says there's so many different religions that teach you do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then you get Jesus. Well, that's wrong. That's not in the Bible. That's not in there. And that's why so many people that come to church are so confused because they come from this theology of, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and that equates to God loving me more. And that's not how this thing works. This Bible doesn't teach that. This Bible teaches this. There was a God who was in heaven. And he looked down on humanity and he said this, man, there's no way for them to get to heaven unless I send them a savior. And so I'm going to do just that because I love them. And so he sent, that, he sent that savior down to humanity. And when he got down here, he, he told his son, hey, son, you're going to live a perfect life. You're going to live the life that all those people that are out there, they cannot live. 
and you're going to live a life perfect, and then you're going to die. And son, you're going to die the death that all those people there, they should have died. But you're going to cover their sins. You're going to, you're going to pay the way for them. And when you get on the cross, and when you, when you, when you die, people are going to look at you and say, what is he doing? If you're God, get yourself off that cross. If you're Jesus, get yourself down from there. But you're not going to because you love them so much. I heard someone say recently this, that, you know, your sins, your sins and my sins, it put Jesus on the cross. But Jesus' love for us kept him there. Could he go off the cross that day? Absolutely he could have. But because he loved you so much, he knew that he had to stay there. Our sin put him there. His love kept him there. And then he got off that cross. They put him in a tomb. It was barred, by the way, because he knew that he wasn't staying there. By, by the way, every other, every other world religion, they can point to a grave to show you where their God is. Well, we can't point to a grave because our God doesn't live in a grave. He was resurrected three days later and he lives and he walks this earth all around. That's what he does. He can do that. And he didn't do all that so that would sound really good. And he didn't do all that because that was a good idea. He did because he loved you so much. He did that for you and he did that for me. And all he wants from you, while the list may be long from the church that you came from or the places that you've been, what he wants is close fellowship with you. And that pleases him. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I wonder if some of you guys are here today.